Hello, welcome to Elephant Dialogues. I'm Bryson Alley. Today we're talking about immigration and President Trump's border wall. My guest is Jake Christensen, and I'm excited for his perspective. It's pretty powerful. But before we begin, I want to introduce our framework for today's conversation. So as we talk about how to improve our political conversations, here's another tool for your belt, the ABCs. Well, not the whole ABCs, just those first three letters. This comes from the book Crucial Conversations. As a guideline for how to productively express our opinions, ABC stands for Agree, Build, or Compare. These strategies cover just about any scenario we could be in. For example, the A. If we agree with the person, we should simply agree with them. Crucial Conversations describes a phenomenon they call violent agreement. Oftentimes, we'll agree on the majority of an issue, and yet we still find ourselves arguing over our subtle differences. We often make mountains out of molehills. I've seen this recently in all the Democratic presidential debates. There are some differences between the candidates, and some of those differences are significant, but they mostly agree on the majority of issues. They're all part of the same political party, and yet they tear each other apart like they're sworn enemies. Another example of this is in that classic sketch, Who's on First? All right, what's the guy's name on third base? No, what's on second? Who's on second? Who's on first? I don't know. He's on first. You ready? I didn't even mention a guy's name on third base. Yes, you did. All right, then who's playing third base? No, who's on first? I'm not asking you what's on first. What's on second? Who's on second? Who's on first? I don't know. He's third base. That sketch is funny to us because what they're saying is in complete agreement, and yet they grow increasingly angry at each other. So that's the A in our ABCs today. When you agree with someone, agree with them. Don't turn it into an argument. Now for B, build. If you agree on part of an issue, start there, and then build on that understanding. Instead of jumping straight to why they're wrong, look for areas of agreement, and then, like Crucial Conversation suggests, say something like, Absolutely. In addition, I noticed that dot, dot, dot. This reminds you both that you're on the same team, not battling to prove who's right. So if you disagree with someone and think they're simply lacking information or not seeing the whole picture, start with common ground and then build on that. Finally, if you really just straight up disagree with someone, it's better to compare our positions rather than telling them why they are wrong. You can say something like, I think I see things differently, Let me describe how. Notice how this uses pronouns like I instead of you. This keeps us from attacking the person and focusing the discussion on our ideas and how they differ. So there you go. Remember your ABCs. Agree, build, and compare. I know we've talked about a lot of different concepts and tools over this season of Elephant Dialogues, and it's a lot to remember. So if you find yourself in a conversation that's growing tense, don't panic. Just remember one thing, like the fundamental ABCs. Now, let's use those tools as we talk about immigration. Here we go. America's developed a culture of contempt, a habit of seeing people who disagree with us, not merely as incorrect or misguided, but as worthless. We cannot solve the challenges of our time unless we solve them together. It was an opportunity to practice empathy. There's a huge empathy deficit in our culture. We don't need to disagree less. We need to disagree better. With what our President Lincoln called the better angels of our nature. I gotta say, I'm really excited for this conversation because this is, well, this topic, like the border wall, immigration. Mm -hmm. I've had conversations on both sides where I've done really good 
And I'm like, oh, that was a really productive conversation. Uh-huh. But I've also had conversations where I was like, ooh, I messed up on that one. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and it was very much not productive. So I'm excited for this. Thanks for being here. Yeah, that's not, that's kind of like how conversations with my mom about dating go. Oh, okay. It's like sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's like, it's... oh, it's productive. Most of the time it's like, yeah, that shouldn't have happened <laughs> shouldn't at all. Have. Like there was nothing good that came from that. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, but like one of the, the one that went well was with my mother-in-law a year ago, Christmas. Mm-hmm. But it was like a really productive conversation. And it's one of the conversations that like pushed me to do this podcast because I was like, oh, that was that was really cool. We like completely disagreed, but had a really productive productive conversation. So nice. And I'm excited that you're here to talk about this. Will you tell me a little bit about your background, especially your background with OUR? Yeah. So I worked for a nonprofit organization called the Operation Underground Railroad. Uh, I worked with them for about two years. And uh, uh, Operation Underground Railroad is a nonprofit organization that rescues children from sex trafficking. So they go all over the world and uh, they teach countries how to fight against child sex trafficking. They perform operations where they will rescue children who are currently being sold for sex. And then they have aftercare centers where they will take the children after they're rescued so the children can be rehabilitated and get the proper therapy and everything like that they need in order to be reintroduced to society, brought back to their families, depending on whatever the situation is. So for them, I was a cameraman Mm -hmm. and a video producer and editor. And so I would travel with them. We'd go like I said, all over the world and uh, do sting operations where we would set up uh, like a sex party type thing Mm. where we would invite traffickers, they would bring children, and then I would have like hidden undercover cameras all over the place and then I would be filming them as like they came in and and different aspects of it. And um, then the police would eventually bust in and they would Mm. arrest everyone and uh, put the traffickers behind bars, take the children to an aftercare center, and then I would go home and edit all the footage. Wow. And it was it was a very different, uh, I got to see a very different side of the world yeah. that I never would have dreamed of. And uh, it, was, wow. it was an experience for two years. I've been a fan of Operation Underground Railroad for a long time, so I was very impressed when I, I learned of your history with it and stuff. And I think it's interesting to me because I think especially with this topic, I I tend to see like the good in people and assume that immigrants, you know, are are good people. And I want to believe that everyone coming is great. And mm-hmm. it's inter- I think your different perspective on seeing that side of the world, does that play into this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when I first like started hearing about the wall uh-huh. and uh, the Donald, wall with all caps. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Donald Trump wanting to build the wall. I after like doing a little bit of research, I was like, this seems really expensive, and I feel like mm-hmm. this money could go towards something else. And that was kind of like my initial reaction. And then the more I looked into it, and uh, and the more I got to talk with different people in Operation Underground Railroad about mm-hmm. it. Uh, the more I realized how much this wall would help fight against sex trafficking. Right. 
So the way that uh, sex traffickers work, um, especially the child sex traffickers, mm-hmm. is they will either buy a child from a family or kidnap the child from the family or uh, find a child that's like a runaway mm. or convince the parents that they have like a beauty pageant model agency and that if they give them their child, they'll take them and they'll groom them mm. so that way they can become a supermodel. Gotcha. And... uh the parents agree to it and they never see their Gosh. child again. So then these traffickers will take the children across the border mm-hmm. and sell them to pedophiles here in America. Oh my gosh. Which America is the number one nation for consuming child pornography like in the world. Wow. And uh, that's crazy because you, you always think of like, and I did, I always thought of Operation Underground Railroad going to Thailand or like these crazy far off third world countries, Mm -hmm. but I guess a lot of their work is here, right? Uh, So Operation Railroad doesn't do a ton of the work here in the U.S. They do some, Mm -hmm. um, but for the most part, the U.S. government does a pretty good job of fighting against sex trafficking, especially compared to other countries. Gotcha. Where... Where other governments might not even be trying. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. If they're getting an A then other countries are most likely getting Ds or Fs Mm -hmm. in that category. So they're trying to help other countries who have no idea how to fight against it. I do want to talk more about how a wall helps with the situation and what else we can do. Uh, But before we get to that, I want to ask you why you think this conversation, like the wall, is such a tough topic for people to talk about or why it's so divisive. Uh Uh-huh. Um, I think that the biggest reason why, or one of the biggest reasons why it's so divisive is because everyone wants to believe that Donald Trump is racist, mm-hmm. which he very well may be. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to say one way or the other. I feel like we're a little too quick to call people racist nowadays. Mm-hmm. But I and think we'll that- be just, as a side, we'll be talking about Trump next week oh. on here. So Oh, fun. Yeah. But yeah, I, I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. But so I think that people see it as an act of racism, that Trump hates Mexicans Mm -hmm. and anyone who is for building the wall also hates Mexicans Mm -hmm. and they're trying to keep them out of the country. And so they see it as like racism, which is hate and people don't want hate unless it's directed at Trump <laughs> and then they love it. Right. <laughs> but yeah, we use those labels like racist and hate and uh-huh. we assume that that's why people want the wall. I think that's really yeah. insightful. Yeah. And I, I agree 100%. Is that is that your guess on why people are so against it? Um yeah, I think I think that does play into it. I want to read this is from an email that one of my listeners sent in. Um, they said Why is it that when I hear talk about the border problems, it's all anti-Trump or pro-Trump or anti-wall or pro-wall? Why are people not going any deeper and talking about the real problems and how to solve them? Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, I agree with you that that's that's a big problem. And and I'll talk next week about my thoughts on the term racist, but Mm -hmm. I, I agree. It's thrown around much too much and it's kind of lost meaning and, but it still, like inflames and divides us, right? Yeah. I do think, oh yeah, let's take it back to the ABCs. I, first of all, I agree with you there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so no, no fight there, no quarrel. 
Um, I do think that people paint the other side as hateful and racist when that might not be the case. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I realized with that conversation with my mother-in-law, that her motivations weren't racist and they weren't hateful. It was more along yours. It was border security and it was protecting those that couldn't protect themselves, like children that were trafficked across the border. Mm -hmm. And so as soon as I realized that, it changed the conversation because it wasn't, oh, you're racist and the wall is racist. And it was, oh, those are legitimate problems that we need to fix. Mm -hmm. So how can we do that while still having charity and empathy for the people who are coming legitimately? Mm -hmm. And so that's the side I've kind of always seen. And I don't know if it's the people I follow or the accounts that I see most often, but that's kind of the side I see more of where real immigrants and real refugees are seeking asylum and they're just kept in horrible conditions for weeks and weeks and they're separated from their families and they just go through hell trying to, you know, find a better life for themselves and for their family. Mm -hmm. And so what we decided when we were talking about this with my mother-in-law is there has to be a way to to accomplish both, right? Yeah. As soon as we agreed on that mutual goal, like it was a real conversation and we were able to talk about, okay, how can we do that? But it wasn't an either or. We didn't have to choose the wall or uh, having charity. Mm-hmm. Like you can't have both. Yeah. That was our breakthrough. Yeah. And I think nobody's talking about that. Yeah. So with her, were you arguing we should build a wall and she was arguing we shouldn't or? Um, opposite. Opposite. I've okay. generally been against the wall. Okay. As a general rule. Um, and one thing I want to clarify is that when I say I'm against the wall, I'm not against border security. Uh-huh. And I'm not even against a wall in certain places. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I've been against Donald Trump's use of the wall as a, as a long, continuous, unbroken wall from sea to shining sea. Uh-huh. And I've been against the way he's used that in his campaign. Because part of what I've seen is I've seen him hold rallies where he he pushes the message that all immigrants are a death threat to every American. Mm-hmm. Or that he'll tell a story of a, an American who was killed by an illegal immigrant and say, this could happen to you at any moment. Mm-hmm. Like Those are real quotes that I've heard. Yeah. So I've, I think that's why people tend to think, oh, is it like that's really close to racism, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. And when he, when, I mean, in his announcement speech, he said Mexico is sending rapists and drug dealers, and some of them, I assume, are good people. So the, those kind of things make it hard for, I think, the country to have a good conversation about it because it brings in those terms like hate and racism and those just... I think the grand majority of people don't see it that way, uh-huh. where it's not they're not racist and right. they're not hateful. It's interesting the way that Trump has decided to sell this, like yeah. <laughs> his selling points for the wall are yeah. like, hey, maybe you should use other selling points instead yeah. of what you've been saying. Because I feel like if he led with, hey, um, not only will this like have less drugs coming into the mm-hmm. U.S., but this will also help children who are being sex trafficked yeah. across the border. Yeah. Like I feel like if he led with that, a lot more people would be like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> that makes sense. But yeah. instead, man, he it's just so interesting. It's that honestly guy, like, dude. 
that's kind of, oh, for me, you've hit the nail on the head. Like his messaging and what he's using the wall for mm-hmm. is the whole reason I'm quote unquote against it. Even yeah. though I'm not against border security, yeah. it's just, I hate that he's kind of made it the symbol of our country instead of like the Statue of Liberty. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like instead of yeah. bring your poor and bring like the United States should be a place for refugees to like dream of and come to for a better life. I really don't want our symbol to be a wall. Yeah. So that's kind of where I've been coming from. Yeah. Well, what's interesting, I think, is like you and I, we work in the marketing industry uh-huh. right yeah. now. Uh, we make videos to try and sell products to people. Right. And anytime we're about to make a video, we decide who is our target market for right. that video. And Trump has his, he could speak to everyone Uh and like speak in a way that would appeal to everyone, you know? But instead he picks his target market to be only like the far right Right. and and just speaks to them. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it just infuriates the other side, which the right loves seeing the other side getting infuriated. It's just so so divisive. Uh And in fact, I wanna I wanna keep reading that email that I was reading before because I think it is right in line with what you're saying. But she said the fact that they're digging in their heels, speaking of politicians, okay. The fact that they're digging in their heels and taking extreme positions without addressing the real problems tells me there's something else going on. The only conclusion I can come to is that the overall goal is not to solve the problem, but to keep or gain power. And I think that's, for me, why I'm, quote-unquote, again, against the wall. Uh-huh. Is because I see it used as a pawn, as a power play mm-hmm. by whoever it is. And it's just gotten so muddy to the point where it's really hard to know what's actually going on down mm-hmm. at the border. Because you hear accounts from both sides. Some are saying, no, we treat them great and we're doing the best we can and other people go and they say oh these conditions are horrible you mm-hmm. know and so it's it's really hard for somebody like me who lives in Utah like we're we're not really next to it i kind of don't know what's going on apart from the stories that i hear you know right so it's really right. hard to in fact i wanted to ask you do you have you mentioned you've spoken to people at OUR about it do you uh-huh. have any specific people you follow places you get information about what's actually going on there um, so Tim Ballard, uh, who's the founder of Operation Oregon Railroad, mm-hmm. he's the one who, who I've gotten most of like my information okay. from about it. Um, he's one of the best human beings I've ever oh, met in my life. You'd have to be. Like, I just, just can't even imagine. Yeah, he's, doing what he does. He's incredible. And uh, so he's spoken. He's met with Donald Trump mm-hmm. and spoke with him about it. Um, so you can, if you search Timothy Ballard or Tim Ballard okay. and the wall, then you'll be able to find cool. stuff about it. I'll, I'll link to some of those uh, in the show notes. Does he have like a Facebook or Twitter you can follow him? Uh, Does he, he comment on it regularly? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I follow him on Instagram. I don't okay. have a Twitter. Okay. I think I Great. follow him on Facebook as well. So cool. Yeah, you can find him. That'd be super helpful. One guy I follow, uh, his name is uh, Scott Hicks. And I, I, can't even remember how I found him, but he's uh, he's a pastor and he's an immigration lawyer. Okay, and a lot of what he posts is more about the conditions and the abuses that are going on. Yeah, so that's if I were to recommend somebody, it'd be him because mm-hmm. I think he takes he takes his time in 
sharing things and explaining things. A lot of the times he'll explain like what's going on from an attorney's point of view. Yeah. So I think that's really helpful. So there you go. If you're listening to this and you want to follow a couple of people, a couple of experts, those two would be great. Yeah. Will you tell me a little bit about how much a wall actually does help in specifically child trafficking across the border? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know a whole lot about like the drug wars and everything mm-hmm. like that, but the child sex trafficking, I can speak to that. Okay. Do you want to know an interesting fact before we get into that that I just read? Yes. 77%, according to this study that, and I'll link to it, but 77% of drug traffickers are U.S. citizens. Oh, interesting. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. You always think of like drug trafficking coming from Mexico. Uh-huh. And maybe it is coming from Mexico, but it's U.S. citizens that are doing the majority of it. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. Anyway, okay, so yeah, uh, how does a wall improve sex trafficking? So, like I mentioned earlier, the traffickers will, like, kidnap children mm-hmm. or get them in, like, these different ways. And then there's the most consumers of child pornography are okay. in the U.S. And um, if there's that high of demand or if there's that many people who are like consuming mm-hmm. child pornography then there's obviously a lot of people who want children there's going to be that supply there's going to be that supply exactly and so uh if if you kidnapped a kid here in the US mm-hmm. people go nuts you know right. like it's all over the news it's yeah. like you get amber alerts on your phone like right. This girl was taken, whatever, mm-hmm. like everyone knows. Right. Um, Mexico, not so much. Mm-hmm. And especially if you bring a child over from Mexico, then you can sell them very easily. It's so freaking sad. And so if we had a wall, the way that they're able to get these children through illegally, very mm-hmm. easily, you know, just walk them across. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, they have like their various ways of getting right. them through. But um Tim Ballard, he used to work as a Border Patrol agent for oh, Homeland Security. Okay. And uh, so he was there and he helped them as they caught mul- many of these pedophiles as they came across with children in the car. They were able to identify that something wasn't right, mm-hmm. something wasn't driving right. You know, the pedophiles would always say, this is my daughter, this right. is my son. And uh, they were able to like, they had their ways of like figuring out and whatnot, but mm-hmm. they were able to stop many of these pedophiles from bringing children into the U.S. And so if we had more control over how these pedophiles got into the country with these children, mm-hmm. how they were smuggling these children in, if we could funnel them all through one gate, then we can stop so many more of these children okay. from being brought in illegally. Gotcha. So a lot of them weren't coming through checkpoints. They were just coming across... Open fields or whatever it is. Yeah. Okay. That's currently how they are. Yeah. Okay. The ones that did come through checkpoints, I don't know how many they missed. You know, right. I don't think they know that, but they were able to catch a lot that okay. way. Man, I do not know how <laughs> how to fix that. Like, how do you tell if a child really belongs to somebody mm-hmm. or if they don't? There's like the proper paperwork and stuff like that. Right. I guess that and, helps. And that's part of it. And I think that there's like different ways. There's like one example that Tim has given where 
uh, like the Border Patrol agents were able to detect that like this guy just seemed really nervous. Mm. Like, and uh, they saw like, and, and the child seemed really scared. And I mean, I think that's pretty, uh, that would be one indicator is like, yeah. how is this child acting, you know? Yeah. Um, if the child's just like hanging out, you know, they're playing with their toys or whatever, mm-hmm. then it's like, oh, okay. But if the child like looks terrified, it's like, hey, yeah. let's talk with this kid and let's ask him some questions and see if we can figure out like yeah. he doesn't belong here. I wonder if if the conditions are so terrible at the border that we can't tell if the child is scared because of who they're with or because of our conditions that we've put them in, Mm -hmm. I feel like that only muddies the situation more. And, I mean, they're all supposed to have, like, the proper paperwork and everything like that, like childbirth certificate and everything Mm -hmm. and stuff. And so there's other indicators other than just, like, how they're acting. For sure. Um, But— and I don't—I can't really speak to that of, like, how they can tell. Yeah. I just know that they're they're pretty good at it. Have you heard of any other, like, solutions? If we're talking about improving border security, mm-hmm. have you heard of other solutions other than just the wall that you think could work or could improve the situation? I have heard Tim mention something about geofencing or, like, okay. he, like, started to mention it one time and one thing that he talked about that I saw that he was speaking and I can't remember exactly what it was, but some way of being able to like perceive if there's tunnels being dug and stuff oh, like okay. that yeah. and using like uh drones to like figure out where people are coming across. Mm-hmm. But I mean having yes yeah, something I feel like there there should be other options. Yeah. One of my favorite ones that I've read about I it was an article a while ago, but a bunch of scientists, I guess, engineers suggested this as a way to improve the situation, but they said we should, instead of making a wall from from sea to sea, we should make the whole area into like an energy corridor where we just take miles and miles and turn it into solar panel fields, windmills, um, water, whatever it is. We turn it into an energy-providing corridor Mm -hmm. on the southern border, but we do it as a joint venture with Mexico Mm -hmm. so that Workers come from both sides, and the idea was, A, it provides money instead of just draining money. Yeah. Um, It provides work for a lot of people on both sides in both countries. Yeah. Hopefully improving economic conditions, which drives a lot of whatever it is, drug violence. and. Uh But then also their point was all of those energy fields and solar fields would need their own security anyway. So it kind of provides security all along the way. Anyway, and then we still enhance it with walls wherever we need to or geofencing, whatever it is. But I thought that was a really like out-of-the-box idea, and I'd yeah. love to see more of that. Like Instead of just arguing about, yeah, like you said, whether the wall is racist or not, Like uh-huh. I feel like we need more out-of-the-box solutions like that that are like, okay, how do we make this a win-win for both countries right. where it boosts the economies in both places and provides jobs and provides security? Yeah, those are the kind of solutions I love finding out about, and I don't even know if it's super feasible or like what the limitations are. But th- I feel like there's got to be a way that's better than just arguing about who's racist and whether the wall should exist. You know? Yeah. 
But then we can't make a Great Wall of America <laughs> that's cooler than the Great Wall can, of China. <laughs> you know? like, that is the goal. I forgot. <laughs> yeah, that's the ultimate goal. That's, one, that's another thing we can agree on. We need a great landmark like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We can't see any of our landmarks from space right now. And I think that we really need to. <laughs> a Great Wall could be a great thing too. Um, <laughs> no, you want to hear that, my idea? That makes, that makes total sense to <laughs> have a, a wall that actually makes money, provides jobs. Right? Yeah, I like it. Yeah, my it. idea. This is my brainstorm, and I've not talked to anybody about this. So, <laughs> if you're listening to this, and if it makes total sense, cool, let's go with it. But if not, <laughs> I mean, don't tell me. Sweet. I think we should take a bunch of land that nobody's using, like I don't know Montana or something. Yeah, and. Or New Mexico. Yeah. We sell it so the U.S. doesn't own it anymore, but we keep it, like we don't sell it to anybody. Maybe the U.N., the United Nations can collectively own it. Okay. But I feel like the earth just needs to set up a big area of land where refugees can go. Nobody owns it. They might not be getting a bunch of benefits, uh-huh. but they're they're safe from the drug lords and whoever it is that they're running from, right? Oh, interesting. And I don't know if like okay. the U.N. could provide... It would have to be policed somehow to keep peace. Yeah. Like if that force came from the UN or if the money to fund it came from a group of nations. Uh-huh. And we just kind of set up this middle zone where people can go, they can be safe, and then they can wait there while they're waiting for citizenship in another country or they can work their way and build up some money, whatever it is. Uh-huh. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. Montana, nobody needs it. Yeah. That's my <laughs> all of Montana hates you right now. Yeah, right, all I don't of New think Mexico I have, hates me I don't right have now. Any so. listeners in Montana? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there'd have to be people in Montana. I'm just kidding. Do cows listen to podcasts? If they do, then I know Trump wanted to buy Greenland, so maybe we buy Greenland and just make. It's too cold there. That's true. I just wish there were a way, and I feel like there has to be a way that we can achieve both charity and empathy for people who are legitimately fleeing. Mm-hmm. And still provide security and safety for those who are being trafficked or to keep criminals out, right? Right. There's got to be a way. Oh, the other thing I wanted to mention, as I was preparing for this podcast, I had a friend reach out to me. He's from Honduras. Mm -hmm. So he's living in Honduras now. Um, But his comments on the wall were really interesting to me because it's not often that I get to hear like from somebody on the other side mm-hmm. of the wall, uh, somebody from these countries we're speaking about. Yeah. So his point was, I, I kind of asked him what can actually be done to improve the situation. And he said what we need to do is stop supporting presidents and countries that are just drug traffickers. He said, our president right now is a drug trafficker. Everybody knows it. His brother is in jail right now in the U.S. for drug trafficking. Mm-hmm. And we're just, like, cool with him being president, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so he said, like, the situation is so bad in his country. He owns a technology company. But he's like, nobody's buying technology right now because they don't know if the gas is going to run out or if they have to, like, buy emergency groceries or flee because it's so bad here. Oh, wow. um, the way he said it, he's like, you, you're free to waste your money however you want. If you want to waste it on a stupid wall, cool. Like, <laughs> I think his point was we could do more good by actually addressing the things people are fleeing instead of just putting a wall up oh, because that's not going to stop them from coming. 
Does yeah. that make sense? And, yeah. And I've thought about that too. Like if we really want to stop people from coming, we would have to become worse than the countries they're fleeing. Right. So the U.S. would have to become worse drug dealers and and gangs. And like these people are fleeing. I mean, they, they're having family members murdered by the drug cartels and, mm-hmm. and the, the government just turns a blind eye or the government is part of it, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think we're willing to become worse than that. We so like watching that. That's we, why we love Breaking Bad. It makes great TV. You know, it makes we don't great. want it here. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think if we're, if we're not willing to become worse than that, people are always going to want to come because we're better than where they're living now. They're going to be willing to risk a wall or risk the journey, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So unless we can actually start, I think, addressing... And I don't know how to do that because it, it becomes a question of how much money do you spend on other countries right. when we're so much in debt right now that we can't even you know take care of our own country. Yeah. Man, so point is I don't know what the answer is, yeah. and I'm glad I'm not in charge. Yeah. But I think that's the other reason I've been hesitant about the wall is like with refugees and asylum seekers, we need to do more in addressing the actual issues. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm totally for both. Yeah. Honestly, one thing that like uh, my original thought process was like the drugs, you know, that's uh-huh. where like that was one of like the big things for me um, was stopping these drug cartels. But there, there's a book that I read recently called Chasing the Scream. Okay. So it talks about um, the drug war and like the whole history of the drug war. Specifically in the U.S.? In the U.S., okay. yeah. I mean, it talks about it in other countries as well, but for the most part, it's like talking about the other countries in order to reference something in the gotcha. U.S., you know. And um, it opened my eyes to the drug world in a way that I never would have guessed, hmm. and it convinced me that we should legalize all drugs in the U.S. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, and I believe that. Like, I believe that I don't do drugs. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think I ever will do drugs. I'm not planning on it at any <laughs> right. point in my life. I'm 30 years old, so it's like, Probably should have done it already if I was going to, you know. That window of opportunity is like, I mean, it's obviously still Closing there. But, yeah. but uh, with drugs, um, if they were all legal, then they would obviously be like sold in like a safe way and everything mm. like that. Mm-hmm. And there wouldn't be so many people ODing. Yeah. And it would stop the drugs coming from Mexico. Right. And it would potentially shut down a lot of gangs that are like only survive because of selling because drugs. Of the drug war. So it's like gangs here would be shut down, gangs in Mexico would be shut down. That's so interesting. And then these people would, I don't know, go get real jobs instead <laughs> of like yeah. being gang members and stuff. There's different countries. I think Portugal is one of them where they have legalized all drugs and they have like places where people go. They can like go to kind of like these offices where like they can take heroin Mm. and they can like wean themselves off, like go like smaller doses every time. And And they're supervised. And they're supervised with like doctors on staff or whatever. So they can safely overcome their addiction. And, um, Instead of just being thrown in jail like what we do. Yes, exactly. It's really interesting that you bring that up because we talked about that a couple of weeks ago with my gun episode. Mm. And he mentioned that if we could decriminalize drugs, we spend so much money and police effort in fighting drugs. 
if that money and time could be spent, his point was on actually tracking down murders and taking care of uh, bad guys with guns. Yeah. That that would be a big step in the right direction. Uh-huh. It sounds like <laughs> it might apply to this as well. Yeah. I might need to have an episode in the future about the drug war. Yeah. It'd be dude. fascinating to me. Yeah. And you should read that book, Chasing the Screen. Okay, I will. It's it's incredible. Interesting. Yeah, it's so crazy how you can have like one opinion on something mm-hmm. and like one book or one podcast. This has happened to me with podcasts yeah. as well, or uh, one speech or whatever can just flip your yeah. perspective a complete 180. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you have to be willing to listen instead yeah. of just not. But, um, but yeah, that book absolutely did that for me. Yeah. I kind of just want to clarify um, in other episodes of your podcast I listened to, I've been yeah. like, okay, so like, what's the conclusion? Oh, right. <laughs> and yeah. I've kind of like wanted that at times, like, yeah. where it's like, okay, I, Bryson, am now for the wall, uh-huh. you know, or like yeah. something like that. No, let's, Which let's maybe do that's, it. Maybe that's not the objective of this, no, is to I like come to I a conclusion. It's interesting you say that because I think sometimes it's. Sometimes it's not the point, mm-hmm. especially in my earlier episodes. I, I think the point was, or the frameworks I was talking about was listening and understanding. And for those kind of things, I think, I really think it's valuable to have conversations where you don't need to change anybody's mind and you just listen yeah. and walk away and you still have your opinion and they have yours, but you understand better. Uh-huh. But I'd love for like on this one, let's clarify exactly what we think. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that is helpful, yeah. especially for listeners who are like, okay, we kind of rambled on through different things, and it sounded like we agreed on a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. Why don't you start and kind of summarize your position on the wall? Um, okay. Uh, I think because of the because of like the world of child sex trafficking that I've seen, um, I would I would be very okay with them building the wall. Mm-hmm. That said, I do think that there, there is most likely a better solution that would be less money and more effective in helping against the child sex trafficking mm. that would be able to help stop child sex trafficking and would also help these immigrants mm-hmm. who are in need of our help, you know. Yeah. I think that we definitely, we are our brother's keeper and we have the responsibility to help our neighbors mm-hmm. and Mexico is our neighbors. And yeah. so I want to help them and I want to help the children. And so if the best thing we come up with right now to help stop the child sex trafficking is the wall, build it. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. Yeah. But like I said, I believe that we can come up with a better solution than that. Cool. I think 99% of that I agree with. I think we are actually much closer than... What's the 1% you don't agree with? <laughs> well, I think... I'd have to think... Like, honestly, I'd have to think about that. I'm not even sure. It might just be that... Because, gosh, I just... I don't want to allow anything that allows for that child trafficking, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if there's one thing we agree on, I think that's the best reason for a wall. Yeah. And if building a wall from sea to sea can stop that at all... I'm for it. Mm-hmm. One thing that Tim Ballard said was, he said, if building this wall saves one child, mm. then I say we build it. Yeah. And I was like, dang, dang. Dude. That's hard to argue. Yeah. So I think you've 
you've swayed me a little bit. I think you've pulled me a little more to that crowd of build the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I still have a lot of problems with with how Trump presents it and his reasoning for it yeah. and the kind of discussion that goes on around it, but I don't think we even dis- disagree on that. Mm-hmm. And maybe I don't disagree with you on this. I, th- I might disagree with other people on this, but I maybe I'll clarify this. I've never been open borders or say we don't need any regulation there, let them all come in. Mm-hmm. I've, that's never been my position. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's most people's position. Even those who are very against the wall, I don't think anybody's really suggesting that. Right. Um, but I think I would, it's an interesting question for me. Can we own land? <laughs> Do we own the United States? What gives us the right to stop somebody from traveling? You know, right. it's a, that's an interesting question to me. Yeah. So again, that little one percent that I don't know if we have different opinions on, or if I differ from other people, I'd be more willing to err on the side of of charity and trust and letting people in. Mm-hmm. But if I were in charge of making these decisions. I would absolutely need you or somebody like you at the table to provide that other experience because I think it is so crucial. Mm-hmm. You can't have this conversation without um, talking about what you've experienced. Yeah. So I don't know if that clarified anything. <laughs> no. It's it's a it's a gray area even in my own mind. Like maybe that's the point. Is this issue for me isn't black or white. Mm-hmm. It's not. We need a wall or we need no wall. It's exactly somewhere in the middle. Yeah. We need some wall. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We definitely, definitely need to improve the conditions at the border. We need to stop separating legit families and we just need to provide for them. I mean, right now, there's so many stories of kids sitting on concrete for days and weeks and they don't know where their parents are. And they're not providing sanitation items like toothbrushes. And so they're just sitting in their filth and they're, you know, it's just horrifying. So that I think we need to improve. Mm -hmm. I don't know how or what the answer is, but those are the kind of things that really just make me sick, you know? Yeah. We've talked about some heavy things today. Let's end on a, Uh what's, what's good in the world right now? Oh, can, I'll ask you this. If somebody wants to learn more about OUR, Operation Underground Railroad, or if they want to donate to them, I'm sure there's a website I can link to. Yeah, OURrescue.org okay. is their website. Cool. And uh, so, yeah, you can go on there and you can learn all about OUR. You can donate. You can get some of their merch. They actually have cool. dope like shirts I've got a hat stuff. I got like, from a yeah. county fair or something, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I kind of want to just plug OUR yeah, a little bit. Absolutely. So I've I've worked with which I guess this will be my good news. Cool. I yeah, want absolutely. OUR to be my that this is, is my good news. Is uh Operation Railroad Railroad is like I said it's a nonprofit organization. They rescue children from sex trafficking. And um I've gotten to work very closely with with the company with especially the founder and CEO mm-hmm. Tim Ballard. Um, I've gotten to know him really well. Like I said, he is one of the greatest men I've ever met. Um, I've worked with other nonprofit organizations before, mm-hmm. prior to Operation Oregon Railroad. And 
I saw sketchy things. Mm. I saw things in other organizations and I stopped working with them because yeah. I was like, this, these people are obviously doing this to try and get more money just to yeah. fill their own pockets or whatever. That's good to know because I always wonder when I'm, because I do want to donate to some organizations, but it's yeah. hard to know, like, yeah. are they just patting their own pockets or, you know, is it a legit? So that's awesome to know that yeah. OUR is straight up. Yeah. It was an incredible organization. It still is an incredible organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim Ballard is an incredible man. Yeah. And they are actually helping children. It's one of those things that you just don't hear about. And we... Yeah, we kind of live in our nice houses and we go to work and mm-hmm. live our nice lives without hearing about this terrible, terrible thing that is still going on today that we just have the luxury of not thinking about. Yeah, and that's kind of sickening. Yeah, gosh. Yeah, it's it's crazy to me that it is not talked about more, and it's just because it's hard. People yeah, don't want yeah. people like hear about it, and you don't want to hear. You right. know, like I'm sure there are people who started listening to this, and they have turned off this podcast. Yeah. Like they have stopped yeah. listening when I've been talking about child sex trafficking because mm-hmm. the people, it's a hard topic yeah. to talk about. They don't want to hear about it. They don't want to think about it. They don't want to worry about it. Like it's just yeah. shove it to the side and let me keep living my life. Yeah. And I, I don't blame those people. I'm not even saying those people are bad people. Mm-hmm. Like I don't blame them. But like it, it is ignorance is bliss, and it's just easier. I mean, man, I'll I'm just gonna jump on your wagon here for my good news because mm-hmm. the men who are in Operation Underground Railroad, and all I mean, not just men. I'm sure there are women involved as well. Mm-hmm. But these people, I think to be in that world, you'd have to be so strong and so pure. Because, yeah, ignorance is bliss, but to be strong enough to think about it all day, every day, and be involved in it to that level, man, they props to them. and yeah. Well, thanks again for coming on and providing this because I think, again, it's not a perspective that's talked about enough, especially in this conversation, mm-hmm. whereas I think it should be one of the main focuses. So this has been fascinating. It's been very enlightening for me. So thank you. Thank you. No problem. And thank you for having me on. This My is great. pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Elephant Dialogues, where we try and find out if it's possible to have productive conversations about tough politics. I'm your host, Bryson Alley, and special thanks to Jake for being my co-host today. As a quick reminder of our framework for this episode, we talked about the ABCs. Agree when you agree, then build on that common ground, and if you need to, compare your understandings, rather than just telling someone why they're wrong. As always, we'd love to hear your thoughts on this or any episode. You can find our voicemail number and email in the show notes. Now, this has been an amazing project for me. I've really learned a lot, and I want to thank everyone who's listened and participated. Next week is our season finale, and we're going to be talking about the one and only Donald J. Trump. We will see you next week.